This is Self Growth is Hard and I'm Meg Carroll. I just wanted to thank you real quick for giving me a shot. I know there's a lot of great podcasts out there and I really appreciate you taking some time to listen to my podcast. Um, This is episode four and we're going to talk about the coronavirus and toilet paper and the connection between the two. Um, This topic is from a lot of, as a result of a lot of my friends calling me uh, very concerned, not quite sure how to deal with their mental health in the midst of what feels like chaos. So I wanted to give you all some tips and tricks for kind of coping with this in a rational, clear-headed way uh, as we all go through this together as um, a species, really, because it's gone past just our communities and our country and onto the entire world. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is how you're absorbing your information. So we are a, a species of word of mouth who are storytellers. We love gossip. Um, And the more juicy the gossip, the more social capital we have from being the one to tell the next person. The unfortunate side of that is that then we have a tendency to elaborate some of those facts into something that's a little more interesting and new so that we can be the one who garners that social capital. Everyone does it. You're not a bad person if you do it. It is a very typical human being behavior, especially when we're feeling really amped up about something. So I want to give you a little bit of a scenario. So your Uncle Bob calls you and tells you that you got to get to the grocery store and get all the face masks and all the rubber gloves and all the water and the toilet paper that you need because they're going to start shutting everyone in their houses for weeks on end. And if you get the disease, they're just going to leave you in there to die. Um, So Uncle Bob is not trying to be unkind. Uncle Bob isn't trying to trick you. There's nothing like that going on. What Uncle Bob is doing is Uncle Bob is getting his information from some online source. It's probably a blog. And that blog is getting it from some other blog. And then that blog is getting it from some media source. And that media source is who is designed to entertain us um, is getting it from the direct source. But the information that they're pulling from that direct source with is with the intention of entertainment more than information. And that's true for every news outlet out there, which is why we see a lot of discrepant information across different news stations is because they're not reporting just facts, they're reporting their interpretation of the facts. So as you're hearing information about this situation, consider who you're hearing it from and and don't be judgmental. Everybody's just being scared and concerned and trying to make sure everybody has all the information that is necessary because knowledge is power in these situations and our brains know that. But just slow down. And if you hear that, you know, they have to shut down all the schools because kids are now at risk, go to the CDC's website and check out what it says. Um, You'll see on there that actually the CDC was saying, you know, as of this podcast, saying that it isn't necessary to shut down schools. Kids are not a great risk for this. Um, In fact, it may be detrimental to shut the schools down because a lot of kids rely on our school system to feed them and their families cannot afford to feed them outside of the school system. And shutting down for two or three days to uh, do a deep clean makes sense, but more than that doesn't. But again, we end up with Uncle Bob's version and then Uncle Bob scares, you know, Mama Bear and Mama Bear gets really upset and goes to the principal and says, I demand you shut the school. And she's one of, you know, 1500 moms doing that. So eventually the the principal is going to comply to the wishes of the parents. So as you're absorbing this information, make sure that you're getting it from a first first party information. So you're going exa- straight to the source, to the people gathering the data. Go straight to them. 
And I know that's hard when we're freaked out. I know that's hard when we hear something that sounds really alarming to not then go spread that news to somebody else, but slow down and look it up. We have access to this information on the CDC. They've really provided us with a lot of information. We should definitely use it and fact check that. Just go fact check how you're the information you're getting because again, we are a rumor built society and species and it's going to get more dramatic with every retelling of the story. So that's one thing on how to manage your mental health in this scenario is really check how you're absorbing information. So the second thing we can do is really three parts and it's checking our unhelpful thinking. So there's three types of thinking that I'm seeing a lot right now out there. Um, And we call these in our field unhelpful thinking styles. Um, And one is black and white thinking. So it's like all or nothing thinking. We're gonna live or we're gonna die. Um, The second one is uh, referring to authority or uh, deference to authority where basically if somebody has a white you know lab coat on then they know everything and they're absolutely the authority some of the authorities we look through to right now are universities our school systems um, big corporations a lot of people consider them to be authorities so that's something that we're going to look at and then catastrophizing and it's kind of similar to black and white thinking but it's more like a a rev up where it's you you are get things are going to getting worse and worse in your mind as the seconds pass even though you're not getting more data so for the first one i'm going to talk about how we're engaging in some black and white thinking and i'm going to use some of the data that we've that's real and then how it's been interpreted interpreted and and gone into black and white thinking so gatherings we've been recommended by the cdc to not have engage in gatherings that include cross communities coming together so what they're talking about is concerts um, conferences things that would get people from different areas in the country so think like from new york and colorado and washington and bring them all together in a single space and then go back to their respective homes right and that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. We, we do have limited resources on respirators right now. And we do have limited resources on things that are keeping mental health care providers uh, from spreading this, like masks. Um, well, we aren't limited right now. We have enough of as, as of right now with the hot spots that we have. So we don't want to create more hot spots. So it doesn't make sense in this time period to fly to Colorado from California potentially expose people who are all then going to fly to their 150 communities like that's not wise right now so that's a really reasonable recommendation that we we don't go to these big community clustering events what it is now being interpreted as is i shouldn't go to my neighbor's house i shouldn't go to my family's house i shouldn't go to a local restaurant i shouldn't go anywhere i should just stay inside even though i'm not symptomatic i should just stay inside so do you see how that went black to white It went from, okay, there are certain types of gatherings that are not a good idea to black. I have to stay in my home. Nobody should be out with anybody, period. And again, the self-isolating thing is a valuable piece of information that the CDC has given us where it's, if you are symptomatic, you need to stay home. If you are somebody who is an at-risk population, meaning you have heart disease, you have kidney failure, you are if have a diabetic you have you should really stay home or if you have any respiratory issues you are an at-risk population and a lot of our older adults in this in this society are at risk and they need to self-isolate but that doesn't mean that every healthy person in america shouldn't 
should should respond in kind. It's it's if you are symptomatic or you are an at-risk population, you should self-quarantine and self-isolate in order to reduce the spread of this, right? So check your thinking in that when you're getting advice from the CDC, if you're taking it to the extreme, if it's all or nothing, right? So you either are staying home completely or you're going out to concerts. No, there's a lot in between there. There's a lot of nuances and grays where you can still be a good citizen and a good community member and prevent the spread of this without taking it to one extreme or another. So notice if you are engaging in black and white thinking. Um, The next one we are gonna talk about is uh, deference to authority. So it's kind of the white jacket syndrome where if you perceive somebody to be an authority, whatever they says is, say is law. It goes, right? And now we're back to that absorbing info, info thing. The way it works right now is, is we look to big companies and big organizations to kind of lead the way. Like I heard a lot of people saying, if they close the schools, that's when I'll get freaked out. If they shut down my college, that's when I'll get freaked out. When big businesses start shutting, that's when I'll get freaked out. But here's the thing. There's a lot of reasons that an authority figure would take action in that way, including shutting down their business. So as you're considering this deference to authority, instead of just saying, oh, that means we're all in trouble, slow down and think what other motives they might have for shutting down. For example, imagine the PR nightmare if the Giants kept the stadium open or spring training open, Giants baseball, uh, kept spring training going, and they became a hotspot for a coronavirus outbreak. The PR is, that's a nightmare. And if somebody does pass away because they kept it open by some small chance, then they're gonna be held responsible for that and it's gonna seriously impact their brand image. And in a world where branding is everything for in regards to a company's success, that's not a, a risk people are willing to take. And all these colleges that shut down, same thing. These are all brands and they are beholden to the students' parents. And if they get these kids sick, they're taking a huge risk with their, their business for the foreseeable future. It's not a good idea. They also recognize that we all, they, all those kids are coming from different areas and coming in, right? And we're all going to spring break soon. So they're, they're really putting them, there is a lot of risk that these communities have and that are within the reasonable parameters, logical parameters of taking precautions to protect our at-risk populations. Um, the other one we were gonna talk about was ca- catastrophizing. And it's a little bit like black and white thinking, except where it's kind of like this rev, rev up in this panic, right? It's where people are going to the grocery store and going, oh, I'll buy an extra couple cans of, you know, food. And the next day they go and now they're, they're feeling a little more anxious. And, and to respond to that anxiety, they buy 20 cans of food, right? And then the next couple days they go and they see more and more on the news, more of these authority figures, you know, saying, oh, we're going to shut this and that down. And, you know, more events being canceled and they start getting more and more anxious, right? Because this is, they're, they're not filtering their thinking. They're not paying attention to what they're, they're absorbing, what information they're absorbing. And they're not paying attention to how they're perceiving different things and not slowing down and seeing why is that authority figure shutting it down? There's a lot of reasons besides this is the next zombie apocalypse, right? So they go from zero to 60, essentially. So now they're at the grocery store and they're buying 30 bags of pasta, 
60 canned things, gloves, face masks, all the paper towels that fit in their cart. They're running it back out, coming back in for more. And it's, it's as this anxiety and this fear escalates, they start catastrophizing things and making themselves believe they need more and more and more support on how, how this is going to go. This is also true of who's at risk. I've heard a lot of people catastrophizing who's at risk. The CDC has told us that people at risk are people who are immunocompromised, have kidney disease, diabetes, heart disease, respiratory issues, and older adults, although lots of older adults will be fine and are very healthy, but a lot of older adults are also at risk. So that's a reasonable thing for people to be concerned about. Um, Let me just give you a couple numbers. They say that of the 100 people who come into an emergency room demonstrating symptoms of the coronavirus, 80 of them, 80 80 of the 100 people, will be able to cope with that virus independently and just need to self-isolate, right? Self-quarantine. 20% may need support from ventilators and other things. Of those 20, maybe two will have very serious complications and are at risk of death, right? Which sounds really scary, but hold on. So if you look at that percentage-wise, that looks like 2%, right? It looks like 2% death rate, which we've kind of seen around as a, a number that's being predicted. But there's also a lot of information out there that talks about how the coronavirus in normative populations... So people who aren't the 100 who, pre- who present, those are the, just the people who got it badly enough to go to the emergency room, that of the normative population, the healthier population, there's lots and lots of people who are actually been exposed to the coronavirus and experiencing symptoms, but the symptoms are mild. They're not intense symptoms. They're not things you may even notice. You may just feel like you have allergies or you didn't sleep well the night before, right? You... So the people who actually have coronavirus are probably more in the thousand range. But of that thousand, only 10%, you know, those that original 100 actually presented to an emergency room. And of that 100, only 20, so 20 now out of 1,000 are actually needing support. And of that 20 out of the 1,000, only 2%, 2 are actually at risk of passing away, seriously at risk and or may pass away. So that takes us into a way different level of risk right but all that we're seeing show up to the emergency room are the people who are experiencing more difficulty so it's throwing off those numbers so again as you absorb this data you've got to understand that we don't have a lot of data about this the cdc is doing the best that they can gathering data but the numbers that they have are based on who's presenting to the hospitals we've just got testing kits and even those testing kits are being limited to the people that already show symptoms and can prove that they have a connection to someone who has the coronavirus, who's already tested positive. So we're not even testing the whole population. In fact, they're strongly discouraging people who have mild symptoms from coming in, profoundly discouraging people who don't have symptoms, but just want to do a just in case check from coming in, because that's really not a good way to be a good community member. So notice how we're going from, we're having a few people at risk to catastrophizing to everybody's at a great risk. Not everyone's at a great risk. Children have shown not to be at a risk. Normally healthy adults are not at a risk. Anybody outside of the parameters of being elderly and fragile, having those pre-existing conditions is not at risk. The vast majority of healthy Americans, actually healthy Americans are not at risk. It is our a very small percentage of our populations that is fragile and needs our support that is at risk, not all of us. So you see how that catastrophizing style of thinking can be problematic 
So that's the, the third way that I wanted to talk about. So all these three types of unhelpful thinking styles can really result in you having a lot more anxiety and a lot more fear and engaging in behaviors that are not helpful to our community. So notice those three things. As you're absorbing information, look at where it's coming from, slow yourself down, fact check, and then notice if you're engaging in that black and white thinking or if you're deferring to authority or if you're catastrophizing. And notice how if you allow those thoughts to run amok, your emotion is going to respond in kind. So the more thoughts you have about, oh my God, we're all at risk. My kids are at risk. Everybody's at risk. I should be buying all the pasta. I should be buying all the toilet paper. I should be going on and on and on, right? I should be canceling all my events. All the ways that we can can do this, notice that your anxiety and your fear rises with those thoughts, with the intensity of those thoughts and the frequency of those thoughts. So those t- this type of thinking has resulted in a lot of behaviors that we've seen that are making some of us question but seem perfectly rational to others and what those things are are control strategies typically so how do you feel right now you're scared you feel panicked uh, chaos maybe you're frustrated maybe you're confused in general though people don't like to feel out of control they don't like to feel like they don't have any way to control these things so now we've worked ourselves up with all these unhelpful thinking strategies after we've heard all this secondhand data that isn't actually true. And now we're at a place where we feel like things are really out of control. And unfortunately, the way our culture works is we like to fix emotions. We see emotions as problems to be solved, not things that are just information that is similar to a picture being hung on the wall. It's information, it's not something to necessarily act on. So our culture doesn't really promote just tolerating emotions and accepting emotions for what they are. We like to solve them. And one of the ways we like to solve them is to prove to ourselves that we have um, control. So we like to find, find ways to do that. Some of those things you've seen, buying a lot of toilet paper because it makes someone feel like they're in control. They're scared. They want to feel like they have some control over it, right? Um, it's you know, stocking up on goods, it's calling all your friends and family and being Bob and Uncle Bob and spreading the information around because you want to feel like you're in control and you're protecting the people that you love. Um, Taking extra extreme measures, you know, refusing to say hello to your neighbor because you're afraid they're going to give you the coronavirus. Um, Not frequenting your local small businesses because they're going to give you the coronavirus. Um, And that all these behaviors build up and they're all a response of this anxiety that has come from this unhelpful thinking that's come from this really inaccurate information, right? And it builds and builds and builds. And the sad part about that is it's resulting in some behaviors that are really not healthy for our community. For example, not going out to your local small business to get a burger. You're within your community, right? If it was going to spread there, it would spread there. You're not dealing with people coming in and out at this point. We've all pretty much been on lockdown. And what happens to these small businesses is they have such small profit margins that they're very seriously at risk of losing their entire livelihood over this panic. And that's really what it is, is it's panic. And I get that it's frightening and something we haven't dealt with before. But the reality is, is you can still go to those places within reason. You can still order takeout. You can still show up, you know, and do a little shopping in your little local community and support the people that you care about. That's not problematic. It's, it's when we get to those big gatherings, right? So by engaging in this, these unhelpful thinking styles, we're really limiting how people can continue their businesses in the face of this chaos, which is really tragic because there's going to be a lot of people who suffer very long-term business consequences from that. And that's really a shame. Um, 
Another one is that this this panic again that we we are driving up from our unhelpful thinking and going and purchasing all the supplies. Uh, our medical communities need those gloves. They need all of the face masks and everything else. And when the general populace, the general healthy populace who doesn't need them, depletes those resources, we are actually jeopardizing other people's health. So see how us avoiding feeling those emotions by going and buying all this extra stuff is actually making the situation worse because we're taking those resources from people that need them more than us. And we don't even need them. That's not important. It's the same with testing. Going and testing just because you want to feel in control because you freaked yourself out with all these unhelpful thinking styles and demanding to get a test, you're taking that test from somebody else. And if you don't have any symptoms, that's not an okay thing to do. That's not being a good community member. So just being aware of the process that you're going through with this unhelpful thinking and the, the behavior that it results in when we don't hold hold on and check our thinking and check where our data is coming from and check why we're behaving the way we are. For example, being buying 60 rolls of toilet paper or there's even some people who've stolen some um, masks from hospitals because they're scared. Um, that, that kind of behavior really makes the situation worse. And I, I think I outlined those well enough for now. Um, so I think this is a really great place to get started. If you're really experiencing a lot of anxiety or frustration toward how people are behaving, have compassion. They're afraid. They're having a hard time managing their emotions because we're all engaging in this thinking. So of course, some people are going to be more extreme and some are going to be less extreme, but we're all doing it. And the thing I want to leave you with is just taking some perspective in how cool this actually is that our communities are able to universally accept that we're not going to be reckless with our behavior we're going to self-quarantine to look out for our at-risk populations like this is what separates us from animals we're actually looking out for our sick we're looking out for our elderly if we were just animals we wouldn't be doing that we wouldn't care it's darwinism survival of the fittest right but that's not what we're doing we are making personal sacrifices every single one of us in some way shape or form in order to make sure our at-risk populations are going to be okay and that's what all these measures are. That's what they're saying when, when they say don't go into big groups. That's what they're saying when they're saying if you're not feeling well, self-quarantine. Like we're just trying, it's all preventative because if all the healthy Americans got coronavirus, it wouldn't matter. What matters is, is that our at-risk populations might get it. And, and that's who we're all trying to collectively protect. And that's really cool that we can all come together to protect these fragile populations. I mean, that's really exceptional. And I think it's an empowering perspective to take to know that you're part of this community, that you're that everyone around you, that if you were at risk or you are at risk, it's just trying to protect you. I mean, that's, that's neat that we're all willing to take personal sacrifices to protect the greater good. So I thought that was a really cool perspective to take. And it's one that I've certainly been um, experiencing and as I see people care and really make efforts to to reduce the spread of the coronavirus um, and another thing is is it's it's really hard to disengage from these thinking styles and I know it's hard to shift to this one where you feel like part of the community and you feel empowered by the fact that you're willing to make sacrifices for your elderly neighbor neighbor six doors down right I know that's that's hard one of the great ways to do that is to notice when you're engaging in future thinking so you're worrying right that's what all these are it's black and white thinking catastrophizing 
deferring to authority it's always we can worry about the future and prevent the future and bad thing from happening and all those control strategies are typically in that service right we're trying to prevent the worst case scenario that's how our brains work um but what's really a healthier option right now is to slow down and try and be in this moment look around your room notice the sounds see the faces of the people you love watch the show that's on tv mindfully pay attention to your to your meal that you're cooking be here right now be in this moment don't be in six months from now and what might happen we can't predict the future don't be in two weeks from now we can't predict the future that's not helpful what we can do is be in the present moment um a really good thing to do to promote that skill because it is not easy is to engage in some mindfulness there's a lot of really great apps out there i personally really like headspace they have a basics course that's free and it just guides you through some mindfulness skills and, and what those mindfulness skills do is it's basically a workout for your brain and what it helps you do is shift your attention back to where you want it to be so away from this catastrophic think- thinking away from the control strategies uh, toward our perspective taking of feeling empowered that we're being good community members so that you have more and toward the, the current moment and what we're experiencing and being here right now instead of wrapped up in our futuristic thinking um, so go ahead and download that or you can look some mindfulness exercises up on YouTube. It's all helpful. But every time you, when you're doing this mindfulness, notice how they're shifting you away from one style of thinking toward another and how, how hard it feels and validate how hard that is. Um, but still keep going because it actually gets easier. It's like fitness. The more you, you work out, the more fit you become, right? And it's the same thing with our brain. So I hope this was helpful. I know this is a really confusing, novel time for everybody, but I'm proud of us. I think this is really cool that we've all been willing to make sacrifices um, to come together and protect our at-risk population. I think it's a really exceptional era of humanity and I'm excited that I'm part of it. So again, this is Self Growth is Hard. I'm Meg Carroll. Um, If you have anything you want to ask me um, or want me to, well, if you have any topics you want me to cover on the podcast, find me on Instagram. My um, handle is Meg, M-E-G underscore Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E. I I am a therapist in training, um, so I can't answer any personal questions. But if you want to give me a general topic question, I, I will try and do a podcast about it. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, I'd appreciate it if you rate it and subscribe um, and tell your friends. So I hope you have a good day and good luck with everything.